Let's kick it off then with the latest coming out of KZN uh, and calls for that province to be declared a state of disaster. I want to take you now uh, to Junior Kumalo, who is a reporter for News 24, who's been on the ground watching some of the developments in that province. Junior, good morning to you and thank you so much for being available to speak with us this morning. Uh, morning, Katie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Now, you and your colleague, Kayleen Morgan, have been uh, covering part of what has been happening um, in, in that province as a result of, you know, this devastating floods we've seen. And I, I was so moved by the story that you guys had put together and what you found in Pinetown. For the benefit of our listeners, Junior, who may not have seen the story, who may not have read it, tell us what you saw. Um, Kathy, it was heartbreaking. I think that's um, how we can put it. Uh, we were driving um, to Wandingezi, uh, which is in Pinetown. Um, that's one of the most affected areas in KZN. And just as we were driving along the one small main road, um, we saw a body laying on uh, a mattress. And my colleague, Kayleen, is actually the one who noticed the body. And she asked us to stop the car because at first we were not quite sure what was happening. So we asked the individual standing next to the body, what is this a human being? What, what is happening? And the father of the child uh, said, yes, this is my son. And in disbelief, we got out and we tried to inquire, like, what, why is there a body just laying on the side of the road? And they told us what happened. So um, they live in an informal settlement called uh, Dazenhook, which is literally in Gwandengezi. And most of the structures are built on the side of uh, mountains. So there was a landslide that happened as a result of the floods and the rainfall that parted the area. And uh, most of the houses were demolished. So this particular family, their two-roomed house uh, was demolished. The mother was inside with two children. Um, uh, the one child, unfortunately, lost his life. He's a six-year-old. Um, and the father had to literally carry his own dead child to the side of the road because the emergency services could not access the area. And they told them that they can't come into Dazenhook because there are no roads there. So he literally had to carry the child for almost 10 kilometers uh, on his back with the assistance of uh, some community members. And they had to wait on the side of the road uh, for a good three hours before any policeman could come. It's not just about this, this one family and this one father who had to take this 10 kilometer walk, you know, and and one can only imagine how difficult that would have been for him. But then you have families, other families, that start to show up again on the side of the very same road, all of them bringing their loved ones who have died. Yes, that's so true. Um, so as we had uh, been speaking and interviewing the father of uh, the deceased boy, um, another family came. Uh, a group of about six men were carrying a 35-year-old individual who had also lost his life. Um, so that was the second uh, deceased person that came. And they were just telling us that there were so many other people that were missing. Uh, there were so many other houses that were also demolished. And then after a few minutes, some policemen arrived in a white parky and they were transporting um, this deceased individual. So they collected those two bodies, and we started following the car along that stretch of the road. And 
as we drove down, literally, there were two more dead bodies down the road um, that the policemen had to put in the back of the car. And as we continued driving down, there were more dead bodies that they continuously had to put at the back of the parking. And one of the most touching um, instances that happened was that the father of the deceased son refused to let the child uh, go alone. So he had to sit behind the parking as the bodies were being piled. And he was sitting there. And my colleague, Kayleen, who's sitting next to me, took a very sombering image of that man in the back of the car with his child, still trying to make sure that the child is comfortable, there are no bodies on top of the child. So it was just a, a harrowing incident to, to observe. Sure. And, and, and at this point, you know, when it comes to the authorities, it sounds to me that the responses that we're seeing now are literally responses to what is unfolding at the moment, that the people are so overwhelmed and, and so stretched that um, they, there's very little coordination, at least in terms of what's happening on the ground. Uh, I'll allow Kayleen to answer this one. Okay, that's fine. Kayleen? Hi, Cassie. Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, I think that's the truth. I think at the beginning when we arrived, we thought, you know, emergency services just aren't coming out. It, it might be because, you know, these people are not a priority. But as the hours continued to pass, we came to the realization, especially at the police station, that all resources in terms of emergency services had been stretched out. So a lot of the emergency services on the route didn't have capacity to assist everybody, even though they wanted to. So we were seeing people in their, you know, in their own buckies just telling these families that unfortunately they're going to have to wait to get help because they are trying to, to suss out where the priority is, where where they can also maybe try and save people's lives. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a very heartbreaking thing to see, you know, and to hear that unfortunately because you've lost your loved one, we're going to have to give priority to people who we think we can still save. Mm. And, and Kayleen, what are the families saying to you? You know, one just thinks of, again, the story of, of, of this father who's having to endure these hours, you know, of, number one, processing the fact that his son is gone, but wanting to remain by, uh, you know, by his, his remains. What are these families saying? I think that, of, of course, just the father's plight. But one thing that I can say is that um, I think our socioeconomic situation in this country has forced these kind of families to endure this kind of pain in a way that we haven't been able to process even as ourselves as journalists. Because this father was so strong throughout it, including the other families, as we continued on that main road who were just placing the bodies of their family members at the back of this Bucky, we saw very little um, emotion coming from these families. You know, they were just saying to us that this happens all the time. It's, it happens so much that it's kind of become a norm within this area. Um, and so there isn't much to give but to kind of just let their family members go and try and pick up from what is happening. Uh, they say there's been very, very little assistance. And so they rely on each other as community members to kind of just 
get through this tragedy and, and, and keep going. Have you guys been able to return there today? Well, the plan is to, to, to go back. Um, the president is, is on his way, and we will be following the, the, the convoy with the president. He is expected to be in areas around Pine Town, which is where we had visited yesterday. But I think the plan is to also go back after the president's visit and just speak to some of these families, because a lot of people, as we were told yesterday, are still missing. Mm. Um, and just find out what the situation is. Uh, we also saw a lot of people, uh, a situation where members of the community just kind of forced themselves into newly built flats because their own homes have been broken down. They have nowhere to sleep. They have nowhere to go. Very little communication on the ground. Um, so the plan is definitely to go back and just see how some of these families are doing, how they are coping, um, as more, more rain is expected in the province this weekend. All right. Kaylin Morgan and Junior Kumalo are News24 reporters. And as you heard, that is an account of their experience. And it is absolutely devastating what what these families have had to go through. All right, let's take a quick break. I'm back with um, Professor Francois Engelbrecht. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. All right, so we continue our coverage then of the floods that are uh, that have taken place in KwaZulu Natal. And this is very much a, a human story. It's not just a story about adverse weather, but it is about how people's lives have been affected, how people's lives have been turned absolutely upside down. Professor Francois Engelbrecht is the director of the Global Change Institute and professor of climatology at the University of Witwatersrand. Uh, professor Engelbrecht, good morning to you. Thanks for your time today. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for having me. As many of these families begin to try and piece together their lives, of course, there's the big question of what the future looks like in as far as weather is concerned. And um, the prognosis right now for the Easter weekend is not looking good at all. How can we begin to make sense of what we're seeing happen, uh, Professor Engelbrecht? Let me start by just giving the listeners an overview of what has happened so that we can put this all in perspective. Uh, my condolences also to all the families who have lost loved ones in this absolute devastating tragedy that has hit our country. Um, this was a, a certain type of weather system that occurred that is known to cause flooding in South Africa. It's a so-called Tata's Low Treasure System. Um, these systems occur more or less 10 times every year on the average in different parts of Southern Africa. They can occur as far north as Botswana and cause flooding over Botswana. But most of the time, they bring flooding to the southern provinces of South Africa, the Western Cape, the Eastern Cape, and KwaZulu-Natal. And we have most cut-off lows, in fact, occurring in the month of April. On the average, over the last 30 years or so, we had 1.2 of these systems occurring every April, and roughly one out of every five cut-off lows bring flooding to Southern Africa. So flooding is not uncommon uh, in association with these weather systems. And this one was absolutely exceptional. It caused more than 300 millimeters of rainfall to occur in less than a day, over a large area, stretching from about Margate in the south to Durban north. And this is, this is a, a record 
for April rainfall, daily rainfall caused by a cutter flow. But very, very similar devastating events have occurred in the past in KwaZulu-Natal. And I'd like to remind the, the, the listeners about what happened almost exactly three years ago, Easter weekend 2019, when a very similar cut-of-low pressure system resulted in flooding and the mudslides in Durban and other parts of KwaZulu-Natal. And we lost 70 people back in April 2019. So very, very similar events have happened in the past. And it just shows us how vulnerable we are to these types of events. Now, the April 2019 event broke the rainfall record at the time for April, 180 mm. millimeters or so in, 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 uh, in 24 hours. This is 300 millimeters that has now fallen over a large area. So I just want to emphasize again, this was really an exceptional weather event. Um, to answer your question, in terms of the outlook for the next few days, I can give an indication, but we, I, would, I would like to recommend to the listeners to closely follow the guidance and the warnings issued by the South African Weather Service, who is monitoring, of course, these events 24-7. But the current system has now moved into the Indian Ocean, so the worst rainfall from this current system is now something of the past. But a new, smaller low-pressure system is already busy forming to the west of South Africa. And this system is going to bring more rainfall across the southern African interior in April, I mean, uh, uh, in, in the coming, in the next few days. And... Um, this will include more rainfall for KwaZulu-Natal. But for the specifics, please um, monitor very closely the, the weather forecast and the warnings to be issued by the weather service over the next few days. Professor Engelbrecht, let me thank you so much for your time. Professor Francois Engelbrecht, he's a professor of climatology at the University of Witwatersrand and will certainly bring him back for a much more longer and in-depth conversation. It's 9.30, of course. I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 614 on Twitter at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point of course you're happy to raise i'm happy for you to raise rather anything that is on your mind it's 9:30 luanda maume is standing by with your latest news